Welcome to Autism Stories, where we connect you with amazing people that help teens and adults with autism become more independent and successful. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. So I'm starting off uh, my day with a cup of coffee, as usual, drinking Seattle's Best Portside Blend. Normally, I like dark roasted coffee, but have to come to really enjoy uh, this medium rose. I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but the packaging here says that the coffee is smooth and well-rounded, whatever that means. So uh, if anyone out there can suggest any other coffee that's smooth and well-rounded, I would definitely love to hear from you. To get this coffee, I had to get in my car and drive about five minutes or so to the local grocery store. However, getting to the grocery store as well as getting to other places in the community can be a big challenge for those with autism. Today, we're going to talk with Debbie Picker about this very subject. Debbie founded Fairclay in 2017. As an intervention specialist and mother of two children with Down syndrome, Debbie understands the time commitment needed to ensure individuals with challenges remain engaged and active at every stage of their lives. For years, Debbie has been listening to parents wish for a transportation service to ease the burden of driving to and from activities their children attend. She developed Fairclay in response. We hope you enjoy today's conversation with Debbie. Hey, Debbie. It's great, to, it's great to see you today. Thanks, Doug. So I know for many years you were an intervention specialist. Um, tell me about that experience. How did they come about? Um, what did you learn in terms of helping people with uh, disabilities in terms of becoming more independent? Um, so I was an intervention specialist, my goodness, since the late 70s, 79. And I became interested in the population of people with disabilities when I was in high school. And then 
I felt like I was home. So all of the jobs I ever had all were part of that population, that community. And my big intent in all the jobs that I had as an intervention specialist was to teach um, both the individuals that were in my class as well as their typical peers um, about the value of the individual person so that we could provide more opportunities for them to be successful in their life and in their community. So yes, I taught them reading, writing, and math, but more importantly, I felt my job was to teach them how to socialize, how to communicate, how to interact uh, appropriately with others because they're, and I was a staunch inclusionist, so because I felt that the people that they were in school with were their future landlords, their future employers, their future husbands, wives, and friends. So I wanted, um, I, my big word was always opportunity. I wanted to maximize their opportunities to be independent and engaged in their lives and in their communities and also have their community, their peers in their community, engaged in their lives. I think you are all about present day, about giving people with disabilities opportunities. And um, I think one of those is Fair Clee, where you found it in 2017. Talk about kind of the evolution of, of Fair, Clee, Fair Clee. So as my career went on and I watched my students grow up, and my students were just a... a great diverse crowd of people with all different kinds of challenges. Some, some had CP, some were autistic, some had traumatic brain injuries, some had mental illness. But all of them, as they got to adults, had to face the question of where do I live, where do I work, and how do I get there? And I saw the individuals as they became adults struggling with the how do I get there, and their parents as well. So to be engaged in their community or to even go to jobs, they had to have transportation. A few of them were able to learn to drive on their own, but of the students that I had, not that many people were able to do that. Their parents worked, and fortunately in Cleveland, we have so many opportunities for engagement in the community, and with Employment First, we now have uh, more availability of community-based jobs but how do they get there? So that's what made me think, being simplistic, well, if they don't have an Uber service, how can I make that happen? And as an intervention specialist with no business experience, I just very simplistically dove right into that and you know, tried to develop a system that would be beneficial to our individuals with challenges, but protective as well. So you kind of saw a great need and, and tried to fill that gap. I did, and I also had parents, you know, that spoke all the time about how they wished there was an Uber service that could take their children that was more of like a special needs Uber that could take their children to where they needed to go. Mm -hmm. And I w there probably is not a day um, that goes by where I'm not telling our coaches or individuals with autism that we all need community. And... I think a, a big barrier to that is how do we get there? Um, so I think that's something that Fair, Fair Clee does, does quite well. So in terms of other than employment, like how, do you, uh, how does Fair Clee kind of help people develop that community? 
So surprisingly, our employment, our clients that use the transportation service for employment, there it's not a big bulk of the services we provide. We do have some that are employed um, on Sundays, or they work odd hours till eight o'clock at night, and so some of the um, waiver provided transportation services aren't available. So we do supplement that. But I have people that are taking Fairclay services because they are taking classes at Lakeland College. Or I have one guy who I interviewed, he didn't end up being a client, but he just wanted to go out on a date. And I have one guy that goes to Japanese school. And I have another guy that was going to his vocational program downtown and his mother uh, is a speech pathologist and she had clients that night and couldn't, or that day, and couldn't pick him up, so she called us. You know, it's, it's a variety of settings. I, I could go on and on, but some just want to go to the mall. And um, I have one that goes to camp that takes our service to go to camp. And it's just been very heartwarming to me to see just the variety of ways that our drivers are being used. And right. it just meets that community engagement goal of mine um, when I hear those stories. So much like Autism Personal Coach, it sounds like, everything's kind of individualized. Absolutely, and customized. The rides and the drivers are actually customized according to the needs and the preferences of the, the user. So talk about the drivers because you, know, you have companies like Uber or even transportation companies for people with disabilities. The drivers a lot of times um, I think struggle to understand the, the needs of the people that they're driving. So I am just so lucky because I have the most amazing drivers. Every single one of them is just fabulous. And um, the drivers, before they can become drivers, they need to have some experience or training with individuals with challenges. Um, and every single one except for one of them has had that experience coming to me. Like I have a former speech pathologist. I have uh, a mother of two young adults with autism. I have... Uh, a driver who's been like a life coach for individuals with challenges. I've, I mean, I can go on and on, but they're, they all come with experience. <clears throat> and then um, they have to go through a, a vetting procedure. So we do background checks and we do motor vehicle reports. And there's a certain requirement as to the car. It has to have four doors because I don't want my passengers having to climb over seats. And it has to be a a newer car because I don't want maintenance to have to be an issue. So the drivers are very highly qualified and uh, they must be, I don't advertise for drivers just blindly. It's come, they come to me, they've come to me through word of mouth often or through referrals from other drivers. Um, and sometimes I've advertised on like nextdoorneighbor.com insert because I know, you know, the pool of people that I'm asking for recommendations for drivers but generally they've just kind of come to me and they've come to me with skills and training. So I think one of the other reasons that I'm excited about your company is that with a lot of other the transportation companies it seems like they, a van will pick people up and there could be three or four people in the van and that could be very overwhelming to people with with autism and other disabilities. So it sounds like with your service, it's more just one driver and one person they're picking up? Not always. So when, when I get a passenger, or I call them users, they fill out a questionnaire as to whether 
you know, one of the questions is, are you comfortable with other people on your transportation? So, uh -huh. and the most we would ever take is three at a time. And we've only had two rides sort of like that where all three of them were going to a community Broadway Buddies program uh -huh. and another ride where the, all three of them were going to a community exercise program because those individuals indicated on their questionnaire that they're comfortable riding with other people. Um, and actually, of all the users that I have, nobody has said, I want to ride alone. But if they mm. do, that's absolutely an option. So we customize the ride according to the needs of the user and if somebody is not comfortable with other passengers they definitely don't have them um, but we ask questions like do you want to be spoken to in the car would mm -hmm. you rather have music what kind of music do you like what are the triggers that would make you anxious on this ride mm -hmm. and we take all those factors into consideration both when we're matching drivers and when we're providing the ride and if someone wants to um, use your services, what is the process to doing that? So if you go on the website, fairclee.org, you will see pictures of the drivers there. Become acquainted with the website, and it goes, uh, it goes into a fair amount of detail about the procedure for getting a ride. Then there's a register page. It's register uh, request. And on that page, you would register your individual or register yourself for the service. Then um, your email and phone number is on that registration page, and I follow up then with um, you know more information about the service, answer any questions. Then I meet with the family, and I meet with the individual, and I do some interviewing. They sign an agreement, which basically says things like... Um, Let's see, what does the user agreement say? Just, it, it will tell them that they are agreeing to use the web service. The agreement is online on my website, so they can find that out. Um, just about, you know, that the driver has discretion to cancel the ride, if the weather is bad, you know, the little details. But most of the information is on the website, and I answer any other questions. And for those that have not been to the website, what is the web address? It's fair-clee.org. And there is an enrollment fee. Um, and then the price structure for the rides is also on the web page because the drivers charge, and the money goes between user and driver, but they charge per time in car, not mileage. Um, and we just became a nonprofit, so we're all hoping that within the next six months we'll be able to subsidize rides for those who qualify. That's great. So one of the great things about you is you help people be independent in, in many different ways. It's not just fair clay. So talk about the, um, the smart home. Um, talk about maybe what the definition of a, a smart home is and how this housing model may be helpful to people with disabilities and your personal involvement in that. Wow. So um, nine years ago, I set up my son who has Down syndrome in what con was considered at the time a smart home. However, it was considered smart because we were using technology to, in, to supplement the services that we were providing. Um, but what was considered like, woo, innovative technology nine years ago is pretty standard right, right now. Yeah. And technology 
it varied. You know, some of it was very simplistic, like a calendar, so that they didn't become anxious about who was going to be there, who was going to provide services, what activities they were involved with. Mm -hmm. And some were far more involved. You know, we had, at the time, cameras before Nest Cam was a thing, driveway monitors, garage butlers, you know, so that we did not have to necessarily be there all night with our children, and we provided the technolo technological supports as well as, um, you know, people supports between level one providers and parent contact to our individuals. So he's got three people in his home. Um, we have had four roommates in the past. Right now we're, we're back to three. And we thought, oh, if this lasts a year, we'll learn something really good that can be helpful for when we try to move our children out. And all the individuals in the, this house, one has Down syndrome, my son, one has autism, and one has traumatic, traumatic brain injury, they're all at a mild to moderate level of impairment. My son is probably more moderate, but his strength is communication skills, where his roommate with autism is not. And his roommate with autism has amazing memory skills where the roommate with traumatic brain injury does not. Mm -hmm. So we thought, well, one year we're going to learn a lot about our, our sons and what they really need. Well, they've been living together there for nine years because it's been tremendously successful. And we feel very fortunate. And since then, I've helped other families set up homes like that. And I set one up for my daughter. My daughter has Down syndrome and autism both. And hers has been a little bit more challenging because she's needed more supports. And um, so we've had to probably put in a few more uh, supports to the way she lives so that she could be successful as well. And she's only been in this home that she's in right now for a short amount of time, so we're still learning about her. Um, but it's, it's a big leap of faith to do that, and it's... As much as when I set my son up and saw how well that worked for him, especially, I thought everyone's going to want to do this. But not everybody is ready to do this. Everybody's in a different place on their journey. Everybody has different fears that, you know, keep them from doing this. And it took me a while to realize that. I'm a risk taker, obviously. I kind of charge in and do these things and figure out the details later. But more level headed people than I need to take their time in thinking about that. And the individuals themselves, while they want to move out in their head, it's very hard to make a change, and this is a big change. So the more time that they are at home and everything is predictable, especially for our friends with autism, the less likely it is they're going to want to move and start over and do all these things, you know, independently or... Um, make all these changes and take all that risk without producing a lot of anxiety. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm in no position to judge whether it's right for anyone because I think we all have different family values, different cultural values, and we're in different places. Mm -hmm. If someone is thinking about um, the idea of, of a smart home, what do, you, what do you think are maybe the, some of the first steps that they should consider when um, pursuing this idea? Hmm. Well, I think the hardest thing to realize is that it's more important for the families that are setting up their family members in the home. It's more important for them to be on the same page even than the individuals themselves because 
If you are planning this out with another set of families, if your individual is not moving out by themselves, then you need to be kind of in an agreement on the values and the structure of the home. It doesn't have to be the details, but it has to be the, the process. You have to kind of agree on the process. And the home itself is the least of it. You've kind of, I would consult with people that have done this before in different ways. So there are people that have done this and set up their individuals without supports. There have been people that have set up their individuals in homes by themselves. There have been people that have set it up with other families. I would, the first step would be to look at all the different structures, talk to those families, find out what's been successful, what hasn't been successful, find out the process and procedure that they used. Because it all, it's customizing a house and a living situation to the needs of your individual so it's never going to look like anybody else's house, but you can gather ideas from other people and what they've already put up. So when we work with individuals in developing community, it's not always just about employment. It's not about doing, going into the community and doing things you like. But then there, a lot of other times it's going to doctor's appointments or those necessary appointments in the community. Now, um, in addition to everything else you do, you're the medical uh, outreach coordinator for the Upside of Downs. Yeah. Um, you're supposedly retired, aren't you? <laughs> well, that's what gives me the freedom to do all that right, stuff. Right, right. Otherwise, I, I couldn't fit it in. All right, that's great. So maybe talk to me about educating the medical community um, and, and how that helps have, um, give individuals more successful outcomes when they do go to those appointments. Well, that is a continual process for me because we are so blessed in Cleveland to have all these medical systems mm -hmm. and all these medical professionals. But my hardest part is finding medical professionals both in the specialties and in dealing with adults that understand our adults and understand their needs and are willing to treat them given the parameters of their challenges. And I'm not talking about their medical challenges, but their challenges their cognitive or intellectual or developmental challenges. So um, I do talk to people at all the different hospitals that we are associated with in Cleveland. My most successful endeavors has been talking to the students with individuals with the disability I'm talking about. So I have met with physician assistant students and brought a panel of individuals with Down syndrome because I want them to see that they're all so different, just as people with autism are. You know, no two are alike. There are some generalities you can make, but far fewer with people with autism, I think, than you can even with Down syndrome. Um, but they all have different trajectories and different, I don't know, different interests, different strengths, different everything. And I don't think that medical professionals always realize that if the only ones they know are the few that are in their practice or what they've learned in a textbook. Mm -hmm. So my idea, again, is to provide more awareness by bringing the individuals themselves with me when I'm speaking to people. And doctors are very busy individuals. And um, we have a medical advisory board now that I got going at the mm -hmm. Upside of Downs, and that is really helpful with networking because the doctors on the board um, 
they are able to communicate professional to professional, which is far more effective than me talking to these other doctors because I'm a parent. I have no medical training. Mm -hmm. So that doctor-to-doctor connection has been really helpful, bringing individuals with a disability to speak to students in each of those professions has been helpful as well. I, I love the idea of the individuals coming and speaking to the medical professionals. I think that's, that's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. It's, been, it's been eye-opening for the individuals because I get, I get cards from them. or they're, it's, Again, it's students often. So um, we've spoken to uh, OT students, um, physician assistant students. We've spoken to medical students. We've spoken to residents. And it's been really really helpful according to the feedback I've gotten from them to meet our different individuals at different stages of life. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. The service that Fair Clee is providing is very important and it's wonderful that Debbie created this. However, this type of transportation service may not meet everyone's needs. That's why Autism Personal Coach helps people with autism figure out a plan to get their uh, specific needs met. If you or a loved one want to talk to us about this, all you have to do is email us at autismpersonalcoach at yahoo.com or call 216-336-5889 today. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, Eric Metzger, the Director of Integration and Advocacy for Hamilton County Board of Developmental disabilities discusses the different aspects of community and how we must think differently about them in order to best support people with autism to reach their true potential. Uh, Look forward uh, to that discussion and uh, talk to you next week.